And what a joy it is to be with you again. And uh, I know I'll usually wait till the last night, but I, I just want to thank you, uh, especially for the room to stay in, the meals and the fellowship that we've had and all the kind words that you've said to me. I, I'm just, just so grateful. Thank you for being so kind to me. And I was telling my wife what a sweet group of people you are and how you've encouraged me in the Lord since I've been here. And I appreciate that very much. Uh, I want to... Um, I want you to open your Bibles tonight with me. I'm going to do a couple more songs here before we get into the message. But uh, let me get my thing here. Oh, there we go. Um, This is a a new song that I've written. And I wrote this. I I had this idea for a long time because, you know, when people ask my brother, how you doing, Sammy? He always says, better than I deserve. And then when I get ready to leave places, they say, well, I'll see you later. And I said, yeah, I'll see you here, there, or in the air. And I've been saying that for years. And I thought, you know, may I, maybe I could write a song about that. So I started trying to work on it. I was having a hard time. It was, nothing was coming to me. So I gave the words to my brother to see if he could get something going. He couldn't get anything going. He gave them back to me. And, and all of a sudden, one day, it all started coming together. And uh, so this is called The Best is Yet to Come. You know, no matter what we go through here, the best is yet to come. Amen? Soon the day will come and a moment will be gone Flying through the air to our heavenly home Serving the Lord together pressing on Until we hear that trumpet sound when Jesus calls us home Absent from the body Present with the Lord The promise we are given In His Holy Word I know when life is over The victory will be won I'll see you here There in the air The best is yet to Friend, please now listen to the Savior's call. The gift of salvation He offers to all. Trust Him today and you won't be left behind. The peace that you've been searching for, you will finally find. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. A promise we are given in His Holy Word. I know when life is over, the victory will be won. I'll see you here, there, in the air. Best is yet to come. I'll see you here, there, in the air. Best is yet to come. Amen. It's kind of a fun song to sing, really. Uh, I think about the rapture all the time. I don't know if you do or not. And I know that whether <clears throat> I'm taken in the rapture or whether I, I go in death, either way, I'm heaven born, I'm heaven bound. I hope you are too. I hope you know for sure that you're going to heaven. And, uh, but there's some things that are going to happen after we get there. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And I want to share another song with you. I just thought about these little kids here. And uh, I had a friend of mine who 
he and his wife could not have children. And so they adopted a little boy and they named him Hudson Taylor after the Chinese missionary. And then um, <clears throat> uh, when he went to uh, adopt this little boy, he was in this courthouse and the, he had to sign some papers there. And the judge told my friend that day, he said, now, when you put your name on this paper and you adopt this little boy, you can never, ever write him out of your will. He's eternally your child. And it's the same thing when a person is born again, when a person is saved. Uh, nobody can ever take that away from you. Uh, you know, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And there's some more verses in there that I left out. But basically it's like this. Imagine this guitar pick is me. And the moment that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was placed in the hand of the Father, the hand of the Son. And the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verse 13 that I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And the Bible says that no man can take that from me. That means that you cannot take my salvation from me. I'm a man. I can't take it from myself. I'm eternally secure. Now, you won't find the words eternal security in the Bible, but you do find the words everlasting life and eternal life. How long is everlasting? How long is eternal? It's forever, right? So when people say that uh, they can lose their salvation or things like that, I ask them this question. I say, well, if you can lose your salvation, first of all, you're calling God a liar. Because God says when you got saved, He gave you eternal life. So if you think you can lose it, then what did you get? Part-time life? Ten-year life? Five-year life? That's crazy, isn't it? No, God says when you get saved, He gives you eternal life. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that's a whole other message, but I just wanted to share that. I don't know why, but that was just on my heart. So I want to do this song because <clears throat> after uh, my friend adopted this little boy, then his wife got pregnant. And so they had another son and they named him uh, Evan Roberts after an evangelist. And then she got pregnant again, had another boy and named him... Uh, Malachi Gregory, and he told me one day, he said, uh, Bruce, he said, I've got, a, I've got a, a missionary, I've got an evangelist, and now I have a tither. I think I better start a church. <laughs> but he told me this. <laughs> he said, you know, it's a wonderful thing that uh, that judge told him that day. He said, if, if you do have children of your own, you can write them out of your will if you want to. But that adopted boy, no, you cannot. He's eternally yours. And so he asked me if I would pray about writing a, a song about adoption. And I wrote this song in a motel room in Nicholasville, Kentucky, many, many years ago. And it's simply entitled, Adopted. I came into this world alone, no family or home, lost and without hope. Though our blood was not the same You gave me your last name And I became your own Adopted by your love for me A brand new family That I can call my own 
gave me clothes and food to eat, took care of my every need when I was but a youth. Shared God's precious word with me so that I could clearly see the promise of His truth. Adopted by your love for me, a brand new family that I can call my own. Came into this world alone, no family or home, lost and without hope. Though our blood was not the same, you heard when I called your name, and I became your own. Adopted by your love for me, a brand new family that I could call my own. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for my earthly family, and for heaven I call home. Amen. My daughter and I wrote a song together years ago. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, an evangelist by the name of Ed Dunlop. Ed Dunlop, is a, he's a child evangelist, is his specialty. I mean, he's a great preacher, wonderful man of God. And he is a, <clears throat> does a lot of uh, revivals for children and vacation Bible schools and things like that. And he's written several books as well. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you need to go to his website and buy everything he's got for your kids. I'm telling you, he's got some great stuff. And if uh, you want, his uh, website is on the back of my Well Done CD. That's the song I'm going to sing to you. It's called Well Done. And uh, I got the idea for this song from reading his books. He wrote these, there's seven books. Uh, it's a series called Terrestrial Chronicles. And it's about a young boy who gets saved and then his life is a Christian, growing as a Christian. It's kind of like a young person's um, a young person's pilgrim progress, if you will, something kind of like that. But as I was reading these books, when Josiah, who is who is the main character in this book, first of all, he's in the dungeon of condemnation. He's got chains of iniquity. He's bound in his sin, and he can't get out. Agamor is the devil who's making the change and keeping him locked up. But then one day, King Emmanuel comes by in the royal chariot, frees him from this dungeon, takes him to the castle of faith, and then the rest of the books are his journey as a Christian. As, uh, and the neat part about it is, if, as you read these books, if you're a student of the Bible, verses will just pop into your head. It's amazing. He's just a, a terrific writer. And there's a time in there where where uh, King Emmanuel sends Josiah off to do this quest. It gives him something to do, right? But he doesn't do too well. He fails his king. So he goes back to the dungeon. Sir Wisdom comes by, and he looks in there, and he said, Josiah, what are you doing here? He said, I failed my king. He said, yes, you did. But you're still his son, and you don't belong here. And you can leave anytime you want to. 
Josiah said, I can. He said, yes. And he stood up. The chains fell off. The door flew open. And he walked right out. And it's just a beautiful picture of eternal security. Yes, there are times in our life when we're serving God that we may not do as like we should or do, but He never disowns us. He will always be our Father. It's just like my dad. My dad and I didn't talk for four years, but he was still my dad. He was always going to be my dad. Nothing's going to ever change that. When you become a child of God, God is your Father. He'll always be your Father. Now, He may be disappointed in you if you don't do the right thing or whatever, but He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is a great God. I wanted to share that with you before I sing this song called Well Done. And I struggle with this sometimes because my daughter will sing uh, the second verse and sometimes I forget her words. So if I do, buy the CD and you can hear the whole thing. All right. <laughs> I sing the songs of my great King, my Lord Emmanuel. His power is great and far exceeds what mortal tongue can tell. My heart is full, I sing for Him and trust that I may serve Him well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Our words I long to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. From my King, Emmanuel. I sing the love of my great King, my Lord Emmanuel. His loving kindness ransomed me, but why, I cannot tell. His love led him to die for me. I trust that I may serve him well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, our words I long to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, from my King Emmanuel. I was once an outcast, a captive of sin, but His majesty found me, His love took me in. With hands that were nail-scarred, His majesty came and broke all my shackles. Now I praise His name. When I reach the golden city, humbly I will bow, and crowns I'll lay down at His feet, my Lord Emmanuel. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, from my King Emmanuel. Amen. Yeah, when I would, uh, what I did, I read those seven books on my own, and then I started reading them to my daughter. Uh, every night we would read a chapter together and, and pray and talk about it. And, and the way those books are written, once you read one chapter, you can't stand it. You want to read the next chapter. It just draws you in like that. And some nights I would be reading and I would fall asleep reading to my daughter because she'd want to do three or four chapters in a night. And, uh, but there was a time in, in that book where Josiah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he would sing. And of course, it was just words on paper. That's when I asked my daughter, I said, I said, Callaway, what do you think that would sound like? If Josiah was singing that out loud, what, what do you think it would sound like? She went, hmm, hmm, hmm. So she came up with the melody of the song that we wrote together. Well done. And so it's always been dear to my heart. So if you have your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to look at one verse of Scripture. And while you're getting your Bible there, pastor told me I could make myself at home, so I'm going to rearrange the furniture a little bit. All right. 
we're going to take these chairs and they're going to represent something. I'll share that with you in just a moment. But one here and then one there. And I'll tell you all about that in just a moment. All right. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. The Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Would you read that with me out loud? And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. This message is for the Christian. But it is also for the non-Christian. So if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, this message is for you. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, this message is for you. We're going to talk about two judgments. There's a lot of different judgments in the Bible, but we're just going to talk about two tonight. This chair is going to represent the judgment seat of Christ, which is for the Christian, this chair is going to represent the white throne judgment, which is for the lost person who has never trusted Christ. One day in your life, you're going to be at one or the other. It depends on what you do with Jesus Christ. So let's pray and ask for His help tonight. Father God in heaven, again, I want to thank you for these dear people, Lord. They're, they've been so faithful to come out every night. I pray that you'll bless them for that. And I pray that you'll use this message, Father, to um, help them and to realize that one day we're going to stand before the Son of Man. I myself am going to stand before Him one day. We all are. And we're either going to stand before Him as a saved person or as a lost person. And it would break my heart to know that anybody in this room would not be a saved person. And I pray if there's anybody like that here tonight that they would see their need to trust Christ as their Savior before it's eternally too late. And I pray that you'd use this message. As I preach it, you challenge me. As I preach it, you challenge them. Speak to our hearts. Help us tonight. Fill me with your Spirit. Use me for your glory. May you be high and lifted up so you can draw all men and women to yourself. In Jesus' precious and wonderful holy name, Amen, amen, and amen. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Psalm 58, 11 says this, So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous, verily he is a God that judges in the earth. See, God wants to give you some rewards at the judgment seat of Christ for what you did for Him while you were here, after you got saved, for His honor and for His glory. 1 Peter 4.17 For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? This is the end of them that obey not the gospel of God. That's where they're going to end up at the white throne judgment. In John chapter 5 and verse 22 For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Romans 2, uh, 16 says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. My gospel, excuse me. <clears throat> I made upside down. My feet smell, my nose runs. <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. All right, here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14 says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. 
Keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. 2 John chapter 1 and verse 8 says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. 1 John 2.28 says, Now little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Do you know the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture of the church? Nothing else in the Bible has to happen. We, we don't have to look for a, a different sign. or No, it's that He can come at any minute. He could come right now while I'm preaching this message. You know, the fact of the matter is, if He came right now, would you be ready? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah, yeah. sister. I'm with you. You know, this uh, podium is not big enough. Sometimes I do this illustration when I say, if the rapture of the church happened, and I duck behind it, I can't, it's not big enough. That, so that, won't, that illustration won't work that well. But the, the thing about it is, if he comes back right now, if he came back right now, and you were to stand before the Son of Man, is there anything in your life that you'd be ashamed of? That's what that verse is talking about. He shall appear, we may have confidence, and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You know, that's what revival is all about. Thinking that one day you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account of your life from the day you got saved until that day. We'll talk about that first here. But I want to share this with you. There's a preacher that I like to listen to. As a matter of fact, I listened to him today. And... Uh, he shared this illustration about a man. It was a true story about a man named Bert Only. Now, Bert Only hated God. He hated preachers. He hated church people. He hated the Bible. He hated everything to do with Christianity. He was just a, a mean man. He was an atheist. He just hated everything about God. Every time a preacher would come to his hometown, he did everything in his power to run the preacher off. And so the, one preacher had left... And a new preacher came, a young preacher. And he was going store to store, knocking on doors, inviting people to come Sunday. Bert only saw this preacher going in and out of these stores. So he went, ah, there's the new preacher in town. I'm going to go burn his hide today. And he walked up to this young preacher and he went, hey. He said, are you the new preacher in town? He said, yes, sir, I sure am. He said, I hope you'll come to church Sunday. He said, I won't come to church Sunday. I hate church. I hate God. I hate preachers. I hate the Bible. I hate everything that you do. I think it's a bunch of junk. What do you think about that? That young preacher went, well, disappointed unto men wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And Bert only said, hey, don't quote Scripture to me because I don't believe the Bible. What do you think about what I just said about your God, about your church? About, Come on, you got to say something. Don't you have an argument? And once again, that young preacher said, well, it's appointed unto men wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And Bert started getting mad. He said, you're so stupid, you can't even have an argument. He said, man, he said, I'm running down your God, your Bible, your church. Don't you have anything? Don't you want to argue at all? And one more time, that young preacher said, it's appointed unto men wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And Bert only got mad. And he said, man, I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. You're not worth talking to anymore. Started heading home. But he said as he was going across a bridge on his way home, 
He said it was almost like the frogs in the pond were screaming. Judgment. 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 And he got away from that preacher. But he could not get away from the Word of God. He could not get away from the Word of God. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Bert only, later on, got saved by the grace of God. Because he could not get away from the Word of God. Because the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we're going to talk about this first judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. That's what this is called. And this takes place, again, after the rapture of the church. Now, while the judgment seat of Christ is going on after the rapture of the church, from here to here, there's seven years of tribulation. Like, you know, you think the weather's crazy now? Oh, man. During that time, it's going to be horrific. And it's going to be a bad time on the earth. And while all this is going on, we're going to be standing before the Lord Jesus Christ and one by one giving an account of our life as a Christian from the day we got saved until that day. And then this takes place after the seven years, the white throne judgment, and we will be there. We won't have to stand in front of Him there because we've already stood here because we're born again and we're saved. The people that are going to be standing here are people who rejected Jesus Christ, who never got saved. And then one by one, they will plead their case but their name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, and then they'll be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. But you can miss the second death if you've had the second birth. Jesus said in John chapter 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're here tonight, and you only celebrate one birthday every year, you're in trouble. You need to have a second birthday. My second birthday, my, my physical birthday, is November the 5th, 1954. My spiritual birthday is March the 10th of 1998. I just celebrated that. 25, I'm 25 years old. I don't look too bad for 25. <laughs> I'm 25 years old in the Lord. Amen? So I hope you have a spiritual birthday. Now, not everybody knows the exact time and the exact date like I do, but I hope you have a place where you say, yes, this is where I met Jesus Christ, and my life has never been the same after that. Proverbs 11, chapter 8 says, But to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I have people, when as I travel around the country, say, hey, all these things that are going on, these, these tsunamis and... Uh, earthquakes and all the stuff going on. Does that mean that Jesus is coming back? And I said, well, look. I said, you don't have to look for a sign for Jesus. He's coming back. And I said, I'm not looking for a sign. I'm waiting for a shout. Hey, I'm just waiting for the shout. And as soon as I hear that, whoo, I'm up and out of here. Isn't that right, sister? Yes? <laughs> all right. Luke 21, 36 says, Watch ye therefore, pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to show you some verses that deal... <clears throat> no, no, 
1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Well, I'll get there in a minute, but I'll share some other verses with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is talking about judgment seat of Christ. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12 says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now that word account in that original language means a verbal rendering. That means we're going to stand here and tell him, what we did and why we did it with our talent, with our time, with our treasure, with our testimony. Now, he could just drop a screen and show us what we did the whole time, but he's not going to do that. We are going to tell him. And I guess we'll remember everything. And, you know, we'll have the mind of Christ. I don't know how all that works out. But Matthew 12, 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account. Talking about your preacher, he's going to have to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ of how he led this flock here. And that's what it's talking about. They, they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So now you're, at, uh, you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at these verses starting in verse 11 through 15. The Bible says, and this is all talking about the judgment seat of Christ. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, see they've already been through the test of fire, or wood, hay, and stubble, these can be burned up. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Now that word manifest means brought to light. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, listen to this, of what sort it is. Why you did what you did. The motive behind, hopefully the motive behind what you do for Jesus Christ is for your love for Him. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So here at the judgment seat of Christ, they're either going to be ashes or crowns. One or the other. If you did something and you thought you did it because you love Christ and you did it for His honor and glory, but in your heart, and He can see your heart, you know you did it for the wrong reason, that's going to be a bad work. It'll be burned up here. Now you're still heaven born, heaven bound. But that's going to be burnt up because that's a bad work. Now, I think if I'm standing there and I, there's something that I did and I thought I did it for His honor and glory, but He looks at me with those eyes that see right to my heart. says, Bruce, no, you, you did that because somebody was watching you. You already got your reward. You got your pat on the back. That's a bad work and He'll burn that up. I believe there's going to be some tears here, some regret but there are also going to be some rewards. And even if you win a crown, you're not going to keep it. You're going to lay it at His feet because He's the only one worthy to wear the crowns. Revelation chapter 4, 10 and 11, And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. 
Uh, Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. How many of you want to hear, hear, well done? <laughs> All of us do, don't we? But you know what? You're only going to hear, well done, if you've done well. And I mean, all of us, we're not like Christ. We're not perfect. But you know what? We can do the best we can so that when we stand before Him, hopefully we'll have something that we can give back to Him because He's given us so, so much. I want to run through these real quickly. If you want to jot these down, I think it was Spurgeon who said, a short pencil is better than a long memory. (laughs) But these are the crowns. There's five crowns that you can win at the judgment seat of Christ. So the first one is called the incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. An incorruptible crown is a heavenly crown. A corruptible crown is an earthly crown. And this is given for staying away from temptation. It's a laborer's crown. And then secondly, there's a crown of rejoicing. I really want to win this crown. I really want to be able to lay this at my father's feet. Because it's a soul winner's crown. I really would like to be able to give him, and this for winning souls for Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And then the third one is called the crown of glory. Your pastor can win this crown. 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And this crown is for pastors, missionaries, and others in full-time Christian service. But I believe even laymen can join in with this crown by praying for their pastor. Instead of saying, Pastor, I don't think we should do that. And just say, Hey, Pastor, God's put that on your heart. Let's go. I'm with you. Let's get on it. And giving to him and and giving toward the ministry is a leader's crown. And then number four, there's a crown of life. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And it's how we face our trials and temptations. A man or a woman who conquers is a lasher's crown or sufferer's crown, if you will. And then the last one is the crown of righteousness found in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not me only, but to all them also that love His appearing. Steadfastness in the faith, running the race with patience. People who love His appearing is a lover's crown. I hope you love Him. And I hope you love him enough that you want to do something for him so you can give something back to him at the judgment seat of Christ. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine the rapture of the church has happened. And then one by one, we're all going to stand here before the Son of Man and give an account. Imagine it's my turn. And I said, well, Lord, you remember, I was in Nevada. I was at that revival. I was at that church, and and I prayed, I prepared, 
and, and, I, and I did the best I could. And, and I, I believe my heart was right. I believe that everything that you gave me, I gave to them. I, I believe that everything. What if he looked at me and said, No, Bruce, your heart wasn't right. Some of the things that you said and some of the things you did, you did, your heart was really not for my glory. It was for your own. Imagine he says that to me. And then he says, I'm sorry, that's burn up. Well, that's going to break my heart. But praise the Lord. That doesn't mean I lose my salvation. It just means I lose my reward. But for the things that I did for his honor and glory, I will, I will get a reward that I'll be able to lay at his feet. You start thinking about the judgment seat of Christ. You want to have a revival? Start thinking about this day. You want revival in your heart? Start thinking about standing before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've talked about the judgment seat of Christ. Now we're going to talk about this other judgment that I hope nobody will have to face. But many people will face this judgment one day because not everybody is going to get saved. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But not everybody trusts Christ as their Savior. And this takes place after the seven-year tribulation, and it is for the lost people. Revelation 20, if you want to turn your Bibles there, you can follow along in there. In Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 11, the Bible says, And I saw a great white throne. That's why we call it the white throne judgment. And him that sat on it, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now see, you can't work your way to heaven, but if you don't trust the work that Christ did on the cross of Calvary for your salvation then you're going to be judged by the works that you did while you were here. See, God has two different books that He's talking about here. Now, the Lamb's book of life is a book that has the name of every human being that's ever been born or ever going to be born is written in that book. But if the rapture takes place and you don't trust Christ as your Savior, you're going to be left behind and your name will be blotted out of the book. The wonderful thing is, if you're born again and you're saved your name can never be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. You know why? Because it's written in red in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, what a wonderful thought. Revelation 13, 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him, talking about the Antichrist, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Exodus 32, 33 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Psalm 69 28 says, let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Psalm 1 6 says, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. If you've never been born again into God's family and the rapture of the church happens, your name's going to be blotted out. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, He that overcometh 
The same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Again, you can't work your way to heaven. A lot of people try to do that. In my testimony, I told you I, I got it, made a list. I, I said, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop doing all these things. And I tried to work my way to God, but I couldn't keep that list because nobody is ever going to get here and say, wait a minute, I did this, I did that. I did. It doesn't matter what you do. That, that's not what gets you to heaven. It's what Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. That's what gets you to heaven. Trusting in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saves us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But if you don't trust in the work that He did for you, then you're going to be judged by the works that you did. And it's a sad, sad thing to think about that. I think it's a really sad thing for somebody to die and go to hell from a bar stool. I think that's terrible. But I think it's even worse for somebody to die and go to hell from a church pew. But it happens. Because some people are just playing church. Some people think they're saved when they're not really saved. Oh, I prayed a prayer a long time ago. I talked to you about that last night when I was talking to those guys in the prison and I was sharing with Pastor, uh, I think today, or somebody, that uh, this one guy, I asked him, I said, have you ever been saved? He said, man, I prayed that prayer five times. It's never done anything for me. And I said, are you trusting in the prayer to get you to heaven? He went, yeah. I said, that's why you're not going. Again, I said this before, salvation's not in a prayer, it's in a person. The one you're praying to. The Lord Jesus Christ, He's the one that saves you. Not the prayer, although there's a prayer that has to be said from the heart. The prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Amen? So, if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, and you die without that, or the rapture happens, and you don't trust Christ. You know, there's some books called the Left Behind series books. You Be careful with those books. On the back it says, Fiction. Yes, because see, in those books, when the rapture of the church happens, all of a sudden all these people see all this going on, they fall down and they cry out and they get saved. It's not going to be like that. If you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and the rapture happens, you will take the mark of the beast because you didn't get saved. Now, there are people during the tribulation period who are going to get saved, but the only ones who are going to get saved are ones who never heard the gospel. That 144,000 evangelists, when they start going out, many people are going to get saved during that time. But if you've heard the gospel, rejected the gospel, and you die, or the rapture of the church happens, you're done. It's over for you. And you will stand here before the Son of Man at the white throne judgment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name? In thy name cast out devils? And thy name done many wonderful works? And then he says, Then I'll look at them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Four words you never want to hear in your life from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. I never knew you. I never knew you. You know, there's a race to be run. There's a crown to be won and there's a job to be done. And the Bible shows us some people who are in hell right now awaiting on this judgment. You know, hell, where where people are right now awaiting this scene, hell is like the local jail cell. They're pulled out of that they stand before the white throne judgment, sentence is pronounced, and then they're cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death, which is the penitentiary. Never, never to come back again, be tormented forever, and be separated from the very presence of Almighty God. That's a sad, sad thing to think about. And I hate to even preach about it, but it's in the Bible and I, and I got to. There were two men... In Luke chapter 16, and we notice that one of them has a name and the other one does not have a name. Why is that? Because Lazarus was saved and there was a certain rich man. That's all. A certain rich man because his name was blotted out. The Bible says uh, in uh, Luke 16, 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. You know, the dogs had more compassion on Lazarus than this rich man did. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man died also and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. My brother pointed something out to me. He said, you know what, Bruce? He said, even in hell, this rich man could not admit admit to God that he was a sinner. He didn't say, have mercy on me, a sinner. He just said, have mercy on me. But there's no mercy in hell. It's too late for that. He said, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. You know, he had nothing to do with Lazarus while he was on this planet. He didn't want to have anything to do with him. But now he's in torment and he said, hey, I'll take a drop of water from a leprous pussy finger. Please, I just need some relief. But your prayers don't get answered in hell. He's never going to get any relief. And he's there right now awaiting this judgment, that certain rich man. There was a rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 who was very full of pride. And he came to Jesus one day and he said, "Uh, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Because he thought there was something. Can I give you some money? Can I do some things like this? And Jesus looked at him first thing. He said, was why callest thou me good? There's none good but God. You know why he said that? Because he was saying, son, if you're going to call me good, you're going to have to call me God. Because you're not good and I am good because I am God. And that rich young ruler said, okay. 
And then Jesus told him, he said, uh, have you kept the commandments? <laughs> Think about how prideful this is. He said, yeah, I've kept them all my life. How many of you have kept the Ten Commandments all your life? None of us have. But in his pride, he thought he had. And so Jesus put his finger on the idol of this young man's heart. He said, okay, sell everything you have and come and follow me. Now, Jesus doesn't ask everybody to do that. The reason he asked that rich young ruler that is because he knew that money was the idol of his heart. So he broke the first commandment right there. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And money was his God. I've often wondered if that's the same certain rich man in Luke 16. I don't know. I'm not sure. But there's a rich young ruler. There's a certain rich man, and they're in hell right now awaiting this judgment. There's some others that are awaiting this judgment as well. There's a thief on the cross. When Jesus Christ was on the cross of Calvary, there were two thieves on either side of him. And both of them were cursing him in the beginning, saying, if you're God like you say you are, prove it. Get us down, get yourself down, then we'll believe. Show me something. But somewhere during that transaction, one of those thieves had a change of heart and a change of mind, which is what true repentance really is. And he looked at his friend first and said, don't you realize who this is? Because he realized he was hanging by the Son of God. And his friend said, well, if he's God like he says he is, he's going to show me something. And then his friend said, he's innocent. We're guilty. We deserve this punishment. He realized he deserved to go to hell. And then he looked at Jesus. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. One thief received the gift of eternal life because he confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. He didn't have time to go down and help an old lady across the street. He didn't have time to go get baptized. He didn't have time to join Grace Baptist Church. He didn't have time to do anything but confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And at that moment, he was saved and on his way to heaven. Because Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So there's a thief that was on the cross hanging that close to the Son of God. He's in hell waiting on this judgment. There's some fallen angels. When Lucifer, the most beautiful angel that God ever created, got full of pride and tried to take over heaven, God kicked him out and a third of the angels with him. Now some of those are demons doing his bidding here on this planet, but some of them are in chains of darkness. The Bible talks about that in the book of Jude in verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, their first estate was heaven, they were in heaven but left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. The white throne judgment. There was a man named Judas Iscariot. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Everybody thought he was a Christian, but he was living a lie. And he kissed the door of heaven and died and went to hell. And Judas is in hell right now. And one day he'll be pulled out and stand right here 
Which judgment are you going to stand at? I hope you'll all be at this judgment. That's where I'm going to be. I hope that's where you're going to be. Imagine. Imagine you die. And you're standing here. And all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. There's an angel back here and he opens the book. Lord Jesus turns and looks at the angel. Is his name in the book? The angel says, no, Lord, his name's been blotted out of the book. And you go, wait a minute. My name's got to be in that book. I went to church. I believed in God. James 2.19 says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. They say, wait a minute. I mean, I wasn't that faithful, but, you know, I gave some money. I, I, I was kind to people. I did this. I did that. And then finally you're going to realize, I'm guilty. Because Jesus is going to look at you and say, I never knew you. And the Bible says you'll bow the knee. Because every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, while you have breath on this planet, you can confess Him as Lord and call Him my Lord. He's my Lord. But if you don't do that and you die without trusting Christ, here you'll call Him Lord because He is Lord. But it'll be too late here to call Him my Lord. You'll just call Him Lord. And then the Bible says you'll be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Disappointed unto man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Which judgment will you be at? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? Every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. I want to ask you this question. If you were to die right now, are you sure that you're born again, that you're saved on your way to heaven? If you have a question or if you have a doubt about that, would you let me pray for you? Again, I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. But I'd love to pray for you. If you raise your hand, say, Bruce, pray for me. Because if I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Bruce, pray for me. Because I'm just not sure. God bless you. I see your hand back there. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else before I pray? Bruce, I'm not sure. If I died right now, I'm just not sure that I'd go to heaven. Please pray for me. Father God in heaven, Lord, you've seen these hands that were raised, and again, you see the heart behind the hand. And Father, during this invitation time, I pray that they would not only raise their hand, but they would leave their seat and come up here and let us open the Bible and show them how they can know for sure that heaven is their home, that God is their Father. And they can miss the white throne judgment and then one day stand at the judgment seat of Christ and hopefully receive some rewards for the service they did for Jesus while they were here. Christian, if God spoke to your heart tonight in this message, would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Father God in heaven, Thank you for speaking to the hearts of your children.
And Lord, I know we're just human and we make mistakes, we mess up. And we're a mess sometimes, but we're your mess. Thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Thank you for your eternal forgiveness of our sin. And Father, thank you that one day, those of us that know you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm so glad for those here that know you as Savior. But I am burdened for those that don't know for sure. So would you take over this invitation, Father? Please, in Jesus' name, I ask it. Would you stand?